So do you think The Rock is going to sell his liquor too? Now that Ryan Reynolds sold his, like, are all do all the celebrities know something we don't, and are divesting <laughs> their stock in gin and vodka and rum and tequila as fast as they can, build the brand, sell it for one year, and then leave as quickly as possible in the middle of the night? You would think that, like, it, with the COVID, with the pandemic, that um, liquor sales would have gone astronomically, you know, skyrocketed. Would would have gone up. It's got to be a give and take. Bars have less patrons, so they buy less alcohol to serve them, but people are staying at home more, so they're buying more to have. I have to imagine it's less then, because you're not buying it and then reselling it at a price hike in a bar. I I see. I don't know. And bars have reopened at this point. Um but only a little bit, and only for certain time periods. Yeah, but people are still going to them. Uh, we have a friend, um, friend of the podcast, Stephen, actually, uh, has been working at a, at a bar. So, if I look at the trajectory, all we need to do, you and I, to develop the brand, is to just create a liquor. So let's let's come up with something. Let's uh, right now. Let's uh, think of like what flavors. Does our liquor have to have? Because I know, like, number one, we can't do tequila because tequila puts you to sleep. So unless we can find <laughs> Sleepless Tequila, which is I mean, a great name. A sleepless, a sleepless in Tequila. That's uh, really good. Uh, we could do that. But no, we'll say, we will say no tequila for Aaron's sake, uh, even though it's my favorite thing. We need to find a drink that we both like, a liquor we can both stand behind and drink. Um, see, and that's the thing, too, is, is there's so many different uh, liquors out there um that it's so hard to say like oh i want to do like pineapple rum that's already in existence um maybe we can make different kinds of mules instead of the moscow mule we can make see that stuff's already out there though (laughs) no like a memphis mule such a thing does not exist to my knowledge a knoxville mule a knoxville mule uh what city were you born in I can't say private information on the oh, air, Aaron, well, okay, but okay. I was born in Virginia, if that v- helps. Virginia, so the Virginian mule. A Virginian mule. That, sound, that sounds like a, a drink that was made during, like, not colonial, during revolutionary times, like one that would have been ordered during the Hamilton musical, like, uh-huh. hey there, Mr. Bug, give me a Virginian mule, like that kind like of thing. Like, um, a, like a Virginian donkey punch. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. Why? Oh, oh, you sweet summer child, oh, you. Is this, is this a phrase that I yes. don't know what it means? Yes, <sighs> donkey punch is the one of, like, is awful. I was, well, I was thinking to kick by a donkey is pretty unpleasant. Yes, so. a donkey kick is much worse than okay. a donkey punch. Well, I rescind my previous, I didn't know, I will now say donkey kick. It can't be a a, a mule or okay. a chick. Can't do that. It's, it's okay. Um, I, I, we both enjoy rums. We could try... Uh, I think it has to be a vodka. I was going to go against vodka because it's so boring, but I think vodka being planned on its own means you can introduce some interesting concepts to it and have some fun with it. Vodkas are one of the easiest mixers, though. Like, you could almost... It, as long as it's, it's a fairly tasteless vodka, it's not like a, a whipped cream vodka or an orange vodka or something okay. like that. You could... you Vodka is one of those ones that's like, oh, I need to make a punch... Okay, well, here you put a little bit of rum, you put a little bit of this, you put a little of that, mm-hmm. and then you fill it up with vodka or, you know. Exactly. So, what we need is a vodka that blends our two tastes together. So, let's each pick a fruit, and we will combine these two fruits to create 
the married to the idea of vodka. Married to the vodka. Married to the vodka. And we will say it has hints of my fruit will be raspberry. Raspberry. Okay. Um, and that's the thing too is I, I my fruit tastes different differ uh, depending on what I'm drinking and what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. You know, like how the artificial banana tastes in oh, yes, worlds course. different um, than the real banana. Uh, um, it's it's. So it, what do you so what do you so what do you think? Um, something it also pairs good with raspberry, probably watermelon or. An, another berry um no no maybe, i like this watermelon maybe, idea this is interesting and different i'd say, i would even say your pineapple could come into play here. like uh, yeah either watermelon or something tropical like that because um honestly uh vodkas and rums uh are very good for those kind of bahama mamas and stuff like that mm-hmm. again vodkas if you need a good just base liquor um here's a bartending tip if you need a good base liquor um vodka plain vodka not whipped cream or orange or or vanilla vodka or anything like that plain vodka um like svetka stuff like that like if you're trying to do a shot or something like that that could be your base very easily Mm -hmm. so what we'll say as always we shall have a compromise we'll say raspberry for me watermelon for you and then pineapple as a fruit that we both enjoy mix so, it all together in vodka and you've called it married to the vodka married to the fruit married in the drink married with a twist drink me till we're married uh, no that's all that's 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 terrible <laughs> uh well we could just call it huzzah Huzzah. Okay, I'm okay with that. Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> a married to the idea drink. Yeah. TM, TM, TM. TM, 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 TM. Registered, registered, registered. He's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And we're, we're married to, to the, the idea. idea. That is not the opener I thought you were going to go with. I, I really tried to work in Ryan Reynolds very hard. You, I, yeah, you're like, Ryan Reynolds, and then we're going to talk about drinking. <laughs> which I have not had a drop of alcohol in, in like three weeks. W- three weeks to a month. I can tell because you helped me design a really killer alcohol so i understand no beer no no liquor nothing well maybe maybe later after all these (sighs) doctor visits and surgeries perhaps then you shall be afforded the sweet taste of liquor but first before we get into aaron's uh how we got to where we are today okay yeah party i I can we can explain it then that sounds good (laughs) you can follow us on facebook at marriage the idea you can email us questions or your ideas for future episodes at married to the idea reviews at gmail.com. If you would like to support us financially, we would like to direct you to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash married to the idea. We have several tiers, some just for throwing money our way, which is just just the sweetest tier. <laughs> but if you want to like be even better than that, we have tiers where you get shout outs. Well, we will talk about something that you tell us to talk about on the podcast. We get to pick the episode topic. And with quarantine stretching out indefinitely ahead of us, we could definitely use some new ideas since nothing new is coming out now and then finally we are on soundcloud and itunes you will find uh both our marriage of the idea podcast that we update every other week and our keep beach city quarantine a steven universe chill appreciation fan cast uh we have just completed the first five seasons of steven universe and the feature length movie and we will be returning later this year with steven universe future or the final season of steven universe yeah we're hoping to um 
uh, get to that soon. Um, we're also kind of holding off a little bit because... Gotta give ourselves some breathing room. Yeah, we're also hoping that it comes to like HBO Max or Hulu or something like that. The minute someone finds out, please tell us. Yeah. Uh, but you're not here to listen to plugs. You're here to listen to talk about Ryan Reynolds, Aaron? Uh, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, we we both have had um, ideas for this podcast that have just kind of fallen through or we've we've gotten we've, we've said at the beginning of whatever we were going to watch and said, let's watch this for the podcast or let's do this for the podcast. And we've gotten through to the end. It's like, yeah, there's nothing there. <laughs> and that's never to say that a movie or show is super bad or super good. The often so much media can come and go uh, pretty much unequivocally and without much interruption. You watch it, you enjoy it, but it's not something that you could gesticulate on for an hour as we were wont to do. So we had very high hopes when we saw that Ryan Reynolds had a streaming service available. Again, <laughs> diversifying everywhere. It's and it, it, it was absolutely a marketing ploy. It, it was not meant for anything else but that it was a marketing ploy 100% and there and, are very few celebrities that I think can take pot shots of themselves so effectively as Ryan Reynolds can he's pretty much made a career out of lampooning himself and his career choices and it works because he is actually a really good actor in a lot of different scenarios and a lot of different um uh roles and everything like that but he can pull off this kind of snark and witticisms about not only other people but himself and it works. Mm -hmm. So, so our um, original plan three weeks ago was to look at the streaming service, which at the time that we saw it showed one movie and one movie only. And that was the 2003 film Foolproof, which uh, apparently is the over of Ryan Reynolds movies. And that is why it was the only one shown throughout the entire streaming service. Top 10 movies shown on this service. Foolproof. Looking for a romantic comedy? Foolproof. Looking for an action adventure? Foolproof. Looking for a horror? Foolproof. It, it was hilarious. It was well done. Well executed. Until when we went to actually watch it. <laughs> and it had been taken down. And yeah. so we found an alternate route, which is where we're going to leave it at, mm -hmm. um, to watch this whole movie. We wanted to. Like, no, we're not going to let this do us we're not going to, we're going to do, we're going to Harley Quinn this thing. We're going to find an alternate route. We are going to watch this film. So we did. And our plans fell through again because at the end of it, we're like, well, I mean, it was good, but that's it. Like, there's, like, there's nothing here, right? Right. No, there's nothing here. Okay. Yeah. It, it, and that's not to say that it was a bad movie because no. in reality, it was perfectly fine it was funny it was actually fairly well acted um it had some really nice twists and turns it got me to engage with it i was getting real mad at the shit heel turns of some of our characters and yeah the fun planning of the heist if you're into that that sort of film the planning of the heist bit like they really do that well here you're it was kind of a pre oceans 11 oceans yeah. 11 in a way um in in it there was a couple times when i was like I don't really know where they're going with this. And once I kind of reveal, I'm like, oh, okay, I can see that. So Ryan Reynolds playing both a wet blanket and the only person with morals. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it was definitely kind of a outside move for him, which I don't think this was his first movie role. Uh, this was definitely after Van Wilder. Mm -hmm. um, 
because he kind of made his name. Yeah, because Van Wilder was his first movie role because he actually went on a uh, or was was his breakout role uh, because he went on a press junket tour for Van Wilder and visited Boston at the time. Uh, and he tried to find the restaurant that Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place was based on and found that it wasn't based on an actual restaurant. Oh, God, that's got to hurt. Oh, to be actually in that and think, oh, I'm going to find this place and it doesn't even exist. Oh. It, I just, I always find that really, I found that really funny. He's just so, he's so naive. He was in, um, he, he had a role in a movie uh, when he was younger, uh, pre Two Guys, a Girl, and a pizza place, uh, but it was not a starring role. Van Wilder was his first starring role. Um, so to say all that, we watched Foolproof and said, well, there's nothing here. And then Aaron said, we're not going to give up on the Ryan Reynolds well. Why don't we watch Deadpool? I'm like, okay, but I really don't want to watch Deadpool 1 again. I've seen it a bunch. Can you watch Deadpool 2? He's like, we'll watch both of them. Certainly. After all of those hours, we will find something to talk about. <sighs> and we watched them both. And there's nothing there, guys. Like we and, and, and we again, liked Deadpool. We liked it a lot. Deadpool is still to this day one of my favorite all-time Marvel characters. Even with the this uptick of assholes who use Deadpool as an excuse to be shitty assholes, yeah. to be, excuse to be shitty people. Exactly, Liz. The fact is, is I still really like Deadpool. Um, I still enjoy Deadpool as a character. And there's some kind of deep lore with Deadpool and how he um, marries death at one point. And there's there's some really neat things with this character. I really liked the movies, too. I thought Ryan Reynolds was the perfect choice, even back in uh, Wolverine Origins. Yeah, he was definitely made for this particular role. And the role was built around him as a way... All best roles, I think, are uh, Genie and Robin Williams comes to mind. Have an idea, set it around that person's strengths, build. I love it. But it's good. Uh, I will say the reason you may be wondering, well, Elizabeth, why did you want to watch two more than one? Um, I think one is technically the stronger film. But uh, when I was thinking about it back, and this is about my only interesting comment to say about all of this, is that when I think back, I think of X-Force and the the... The totally balls the wall way they deal with that group in the middle of it, the crazy cameos, the chase, all the fourth wall breaks. And I really enjoy that part of it. Domino, especially, is probably my favorite character from both these movies. But I don't, when we started watching it, I realized, oh, yeah, I really hated watching this in the theater because they kill off Vanessa. They fridged her. And the fact that they bring her back at the end through time travel and an after credit scene does not soothe my wound it only puts more salt into it don't do that to me don't pretend you're progressive and woke and that your female characters have importance and influence if you're just going to kill them off as motivation for your protagonist and the big difference is is that the first movie was directed by someone completely different than the second one um so there is kind of a, a the reason for but the tonal shifts a writer on both of them, correct? Yes, he didn't direct either oh, oh, of them. Right, he was a writer um, on both. And they've actually kind of said, uh, the director from the first one said that Ryan Reynolds was kind of one of the reasons that he didn't stay on for the second one or that he was ousted a little bit. And it kind of makes me sad because Ryan Reynolds loves this character. So I don't know if that means that Ryan Reynolds knew what he was doing because I feel like Deadpool is Deadpool beginning of Deadpool 1 to the end of Deadpool 2 
or um, like maybe the story built around the character um, for both one and two didn't really work. The I don't know why um, he I don't know the exact reason, but I know Ryan Reynolds was it was quoted that Ryan Reynolds was kind of one of the reasons um, that he had a lot of influence um, and maybe had a little bit too much influence. So there may be reasons why. And um, there is kind of a a tonal shift um, from one to two. And I think if they had managed to keep a little bit more of the tone from one, not to say the tone from two was bad. But if they kind of kept the tone from one, I think Vanessa would have stayed, but they kind of had to raise the stakes in a different way. I don't agree with killing off Vanessa. I think she was such a strong character and there are comic and lore reasons why you could have done it differently. I'm hopeful for the third one. I really want them to take Vanessa where they go in the comics because that would be really great. I had... Less likely for her to die. Yeah. Had things had progressed more naturally with Sony and um, Fox or sorry, Fox before the Disney purchase, I think we would have seen something else, but even Ryan Reynolds, excuse me, Ryan Reynolds um, said that Deadpool three wasn't going to be exactly Deadpool three. It was going to be something maybe like an X-Force movie or mm. an alpha flight movie, something along Gotta those lines. That cinematic universe. It's not even that it's that, Deadpool can get annoying and even he knows it. it and we've seen it like at conventions and um, in reviews and stuff like that, that like when you don't have the proper treatment of it, he can be an incredibly annoying character. And I think if they had treated Vanessa a little better in Deadpool two, it would have made it for a stronger movie like the impact of Deadpool one. I think Vanessa absolutely was an essential part of the first movie. She was almost fridged a little bit in the first movie too. If you really want to kind of take a deep look at it. So, um, breakup or death can't be the only thing a female character can aspire to be in a movie. And I think Domino kind of helped that mm-hmm. a little bit. Even blind Al helps that a little bit, but that you, you can't, you can't just have that as a, you can't just have band-aids when you have a perfectly serviceable character, because not only was Vanessa, you know, this badass character, she had depth and she was played amazingly by um, Monica. Uh, I can never say her last name right. Um, the chick from Firefly. Um, but she's oh so much. Oh my gosh, more. I just made that connection. Really? I just, I just. Oh, baby. In my, I just. Wow. And you want to know what's yeah. el- what else is funny? She was in Firefly with Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion and Ryan Reynolds were both in Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place. And All of the lines one of, are one of Nathan Fillion's first role or earliest roles. So let's pivot from a fridging of a female character into let's just make a show all about a badass female character. With depth. We are going to talk about The Great. I as you can tell by the the title card that you clicked on, or uh, and not the fifteen minutes we just went talking about Deadpool. Yeah, uh, and and I could go on and on about Deadpool, and I can go on and on about the god that is Ryan Reynolds. So I I'm pretty what? sure Ryan Reynolds is my favorite actor. I think he is too. I I know he is for you. I'm completely hundred <laughs> percent for you. For you, I'll think about what my favorite is, and I'll get back to you later. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, Nathan Fillion. Yeah, we'll tell. Uh, okay, so we're talking about The Great. If you haven't heard about this, it is a mostly true retelling of the rise of Catherine the Great to become Empress of Russia. 
Uh, it takes place in the 18th century and is streaming now on Hulu. The first season, 10 episodes, if you want to check it out. Um, we, I'm loath to say spoilers because this is a historical event. I guess in the same way that Hamilton has spoilers, even though you technically know what's coming. I'm going to say it in the same way. And I will also say that I have no historical context for Catherine the Great. That was just not something that I recall from my studies. So I'm still in this pretty blind. Aaron does know uh, a touch more than I do about the historical events that led to Catherine the Great's rise to power. So he may have a little bit more to offer, but we are going to look at this strictly as a TV show, not is it historically accurate. We just want to look at it based on its own merits. Yeah, we're um, there is one pretty major fact. Um, and if you know the same fact that I do, we ask that you don't spoil it in the comments or <laughs> um, anywhere. Um, because I I was hoping that they would actually get to it in this season, and it looks like they're not going to, which is perfectly fine. Um, I wasn't I wasn't sure if they were going to have a second season or not. The way that they were going, it has just been confirmed. Yes, I saw it here on Amazon. Or not Amazon IMDb as well. <laughs> Please not on Amazon. Don't tell me they've also taken over. Oh wait, the and news. They have taken over everything. I got, yeah. Uh, but yes, um, I do know one fact, and I'm I'm kind of holding on to that as. God, it feels like I'm back in the Steven Universe uh, fan cast again. He uh, knows too much. Knows too much. Uh, but yeah, I, I think just looking at it as a TV show, um, kind of in a same vein as uh, you're right, hon, as Hamilton. You um, may I know think what is... happens. You may know what happens in Hamilton, uh, but that doesn't mean the story is any less interesting. You know that Romeo and Juliet die at the end, but it doesn't mean that the story being told. I mean, they say it right at the beginning that Romeo and Juliet die. They say it explicitly. But you you know Romeo and Juliet's it. completely fiction, right? Y- yeah. Yes, Aaron. You, but you they know still. The and you know, you, you know, Thomas Jefferson was white, right? No, baby. Thomas Jefferson is a made up character. <gasps> like, let's get it right here. <laughs> You mean he wasn't a racist asshole? Harry Potter was real. Okay. Let's... <laughs> Hashtag Harry Potter was we're, real. We're moving on here. You, you, you can't tell me. <laughs> you can't tell me. We don't yeah, know. We're muggles. All right. So The Great deals with the rise of Catherine the Great. Uh, we have a bunch of really great actors in this. First, I want to talk so about many. Elle Fanning, who I think is perfectly cast in this. When Aaron first heard about the show, which was me saying, can we please watch this? He said, well, I'm not really like a big fan of Elle Fanning's acting. I've never really like really enjoyed any of her performances. So I'll give it a try. So Aaron, what did you end up thinking of her performance? So a little backstory on Elle Fanning. I think one of the first times I saw her was in Super 8. And I was kind of eh, on her. And then I did see her again in Maleficent. And um, she kind of kept that meh factor for me. Um, she wasn't bad in either of these roles. Um, I thought she was actually a little better in Super 8, uh, a little bit well more well-directed. But I think because Maleficent was more about Angelina Jolie as Maleficent than her as Cinderella or Cindy, whatever. The, Sleeping, her, Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping <laughs> um, Beauty. Sorry. Different characters. Completely stories. different characters. You know, I I, I kind of grown up a little bit with Elle Fanning's sister, Dakota Fanning. So I kind of knew her acting a little bit better. So Elle Fanning kind of felt like a little bit like Ashley Olsen um, with, uh, as Scarlet Witch and something like that. You mean Elizabeth Olsen. 
Mary Kate. Now, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Whoa. Damn. Okay. That's I'm like oh for nothing right. Now. I'm all for everything. Um, and of course Liz is just kicking my ass. Uh, but uh, Elizabeth Olsen, it, I'm gonna put them both in the same category. Both of who I'm like, oh, they're just younger sisters, kind of riding on their older sisters' coattails. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed Elle Fanning in this. Like. I remember watching the first trailer with you and I was like, that surprised me. It was funny and witty and it was like kind of darkly humorous, but like kind of slappy in the face, darkly humorous. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm kind of on board. I'm like, and again, I wasn't like real sure. And then it took me a minute to recognize uh, Nicholas Hout um, or Hout. Who plays Peter the Third. Who pay, plays Peter the Third? Um, because you know he was a child actor, and then he was in Warm Bodies, uh, and then of course he is Beast in the uh, the new cycle for the X Men movies, um, and I've enjoyed him in all of those. But this is a completely different side of him, or even Mad Max too. Um, in, oh yeah, uh, you can't forget Mad Max. That's my oh, favorite performance. Oh God, yeah, he did such a great job. He is a fantastic actor. And, and again, I was a little worried because like he is almost he's got this huge amount of star power. I'm like, you got Elle Fanning next to him. She holds her own. She 100 percent is like powerhousing this. This this is not Nicholas Hout's show. This is not Elle Fanning show. It's both of their shows. But when Elle Fanning turns in a performance, by God, does she turn in a hell of a performance? I don't know if it's the directing or the writing on this part. I'm, I mean, I'm attributing a lot to Elle on this, but like, there's so much good behind her performances. She plays a very delicate line, I think. When you think about someone who's going to plot to overthrow the emperor through death and then assume the throne, you think of someone being very coldly calculating, someone who's lost their humanity, someone who's had all the shit of the world thrown on them and said, well, I just need the power because I need to be in charge and stop this. But instead, she plays a very different line, a line of an eternal optimist who is certain that she is the best for Russia for it to grow in the new century, to turn towards scientific thought and away from the darkness of occult religion. And... And in doing so, she has this naivete, which means that when she does fail, it feels both believable and realistic that, oh, sweet summer child, you, you <laughs> thought you knew that you thought it'd be easy to overthrow a government. Turns out it takes a lot more work. And normally they would just play this as this, this cold B-I-T-C-H and instead they infuse her with all the humanity and warmth to make sure that we are aware that she is undertaking this journey for the people of Russia. And yeah, and there's a, there's an episode where like it almost, it almost comes to head where like kind of minor spoilers um, from this for, we'll just go ahead and put kind of a minor spoiler. We're not going to reveal everything, but we're, we're just kind of interested. You can look it up on like on a history website. Yeah. Read about it. Uh, But there's, there's an episode where Peter um, gets food poisoning and it looks like she might have to take over and like ahead of schedule, a way ahead of schedule. And like you get this real and honest look at like, Oh shit, I'm not ready. 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 And it's like, they do such a great job at portraying that. Like it feels kind of like a, like a lot of the humor is very modern 
but done in a way that it still fits into this kind of um, historical telling of this show. It's not completely modern. We're like, hey, you know, Supreme 100, you know, wham, blah, 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 wow. But there is some modern timing with these jokes. The jokes are that way. And I feel like the framing is done in that way, too. So often historical drama pieces. We were just talking about the other Boleyn girl and how it kind of like ruined me for <laughs> uh, medieval historical retellings of women of power because like that movie scarred me. Like I, it, it hurt me. I watched that with you. Yeah, like I can't. There's I didn't a, know that scarred you. There's a certain point in that film where uh, Eric Bana just rapes Anne Boleyn trying to force her to give him a child that she's connived and manipulated her way into his heart and to being queen. And he's like, okay, now you're going to give me that kid. She's like, oh my Lord. And he's like, he's like now. And he just like goes right there. I'm like, oh no, I can't watch this again. No, 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 no. Cause usually, I mean, that's, that's how it happens for most women in historical dramas. That's just the way the world worked. And so what I like about Catherine the Great, one, there's humor, which cuts the edge of it. This is why I couldn't watch Jessica Jones. It was all dark and drama, no brevity. And I couldn't watch after the first episode. I'm very sorry. I know it's good. Number two, the lens of it lets it be us viewing it and a modern sensibility telling the story, saying, yeah, this is pretty messed up and we're not going to shy away from how pretty messed up it is. And we're also not going to shy like, oh, it was a different time. It's acceptable to act this way. Like, no, this was never okay. And we all need to know this. You know what? Uh, you, you've hit the nail on the head. And you know what it reminded me of? It's like drunk history. It's, it's drunk history, the show, but of, of only Catherine the Great. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. It's us knowing what we know now, saying back then, yeah, this was crazy. And... They kind of all knew it was crazy, too, but they went along with it because their emperor told them to, and it was the 1850s. Again, like the, the question is always when you look at history, did they truly know they were in the wrong when they did these things, or was it just that's how it always was and that's how it will always be sort of thing? Always how we think if we went back in time, if we, no, or, sorry, if we lived in a different time period, would we be a good person or a bad person? Well, and um, we're not going to get into anything right now, but like... <laughs> There's some turmoil happening right now that you kind of have to wonder is like, you know, what side of history do you want to be on? Exactly. So speaking of sides, I think it's about time for uh, the sponsor dome Two sponsors enter one sponsor leaves. Uh, so we're going to start off with our tried and true. The champion uh, audible audible.com is offering our audio or excuse me our wow, listeners it's been a while for you it has been a hot minute Here, take a breather come back in strong today's show is brought to you by audible audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with his 30-day trial membership just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs download a title free and start listening it's that easy go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get started today why audible audible con content includes a unmatched selection of audiobooks original audio shows news comedy and more from the leading audiobook publishers broadcasters and entertainers uh, we uh, obviously are going to suggest, you know, some Catherine the Great books. Um, there's a really wide selection. Um, the one I'm going to su suggest is actually the top result. 
because uh, the person that wrote it, uh, Robert K. Uh, Massey, is actually a Pulitzer Prize winner and wrote about not only Peter the Great uh, and Nicholas and Alexandra, but also the Romanovs. So uh, one of the top reviews, to, uh, like the headline is, she's great, he's not. Ha! Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so I um, I think that that's, that's going to be the one that we recommend. And so it's the Catherine the Great by Robert uh, K. Massey, uh, narrated by Mark Deacon. And uh, it uh, comes in just under a full day of 23 hours and 52 minutes. Oh, that's a lot of car rides. Liz, you want to tell them about our challenger? I would love to, Aaron. Uh, so those of you who are uh, Dragon Con fans in your heart, in your soul, but not in your body this year, know that the convention has gone virtual this Labor Day weekend. We are releasing this right before that. Uh, fortunately, they have taken some lessons from just the mess that was San Diego Comic-Con and actually tried to put together a virtual Dragon Con event. Uh, there's a Twitch stream that you can follow along with, a Discord channel. There's going to be talks that are getting a uploaded. A VR experience. A VR experience. Uh, that's, I, I was throwing up some major uh, air bunnies right now just then. We've uh, been doing a lot of stuff to prepare for virtual Dragon Con. Uh, we got these really cool shirts that Aaron found that say... Uh, Dragon Contagion 2020, where is everybody? Uh, which are <laughs> contagious. Contagious. Uh, it they are really fun and comfortable to wear. And if Aaron pulls up the link, we'll shout out the guy who. Uh, uh, it's Johnny out. Ruckus or RuckusTees.com. Johnny Ruckus, R U C K U S. Uh, RuckusTees.com. If you still want to grab one, there's still time. He also does buttons and stuff. Uh, we also got uh, some beautiful ribbons to add to our badges. Uh, from the Viking group that we uh, joined up with last year when we dressed up as our Viking troop. We um, we met up with, I think, a few of them. Uh, they do a, a Viking, a big Viking meetup. They actually had a big thing with like the Spartan meetup. Yeah, that's right, because there's a bunch of oiled dudes who dressed up as the 300. I guess the guys were kind of being jerks a little bit, and the Vikings were like, we're not going to take this. And of course, the Vikings were louder because they were a little bit larger and not just <laughs> well oiled dudes uh but the yeah um someone in the group was offering some some ribbons and uh, i snatched up a few i was very excited about that um but there's there's so many great people associated with this um this convention and it's such a and, great community yeah um, uh the community we're going to talk about is one we've mentioned before uh the dragon con swag and seek where you would walk around the con find little trinkets and handmade hand-painted, hand-crafted things that people would leave behind for you to find. Uh, but the cool thing about it is that they're still putting it on. There is a Facebook group that you can join. And the uh, way... Dragon Con Swag and Seek. With letter N, not and. Yes. Good. Thank you, Aaron. The way you join up, if you want to try and get one of the free things that are being given away, uh, is you just comment on the picture of the item you want as it comes up, and they'll pick some random winners to get sent out. The reason I know this is because I made some dice bags that I was going to distribute at Con this year, but since we aren't, I'm giving away 30 of them? I forget how many um, I said. 15 or 30. Yeah. Either which way, I'm giving away a bunch on the Swag in Seek facebook page uh but there's a bunch of cool stuff people make uh dice they make uh little harry potter house scarves um some uh the 
so today was the first day of giveaways. Um, some of them are giving away like uh, the beads where you like you put the beads and then you um, put an iron on it. So that, like some of them made like little shapes out of them. I remember this when I was a kid. Um, they they're huge and like especially in like the swag and seat community, um, they're huge because they're they're cheap and easy to make. Um, and they they make a lot of fun things and perfect for pixel art. Exactly. One person made uh, straw toppers or things you put on your straw for Baby Yoda, which is very uh, appropriate because. The Mandalorian uh, streaming date just got announced, and uh, so there, there's a lot of different things. And um, you, yeah, you're competing with like 200 other people, but I mean, but you're gonna get something, yeah, because so many people have donated so many small trinkets and expressions of their time and talent. So there's definitely gonna be something that you're gonna get, uh, and there'll be a fun little surprise for you later on down the month when you get a little package in the mail, like, oh yeah. I'm I'm gonna look at trying to get better at knitting and maybe I can knit little just areas of things. So. Now be careful, Aaron. You said that last year too, and here we are in the middle of quarantine, and you still have not. <laughs> I have not. Um, I'm actually trying to get my knitting stuff to, to together in this bag that I got for Christmas last year. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a great little group. Um, the whole community of Dragon Con. If you're looking for a big con to go to, Dragon Con is definitely one to look into. Do not go expecting to get everything done in one day we tried that before it does not work but dragon con has been the biggest and coolest con that i've been to so far followed closely by con nuga and if you live in the southeast like us i recommend either one of those next year when we're all better and healthy next year in con nuga (laughs) Uh, so check out either one of our sponsors Let's go right back into it. Enough of these ads. Let's go back into talking about the great. So um, before we jump into any of the story, uh, we talked about the main two people, which I mean, the the story definitely focuses on them. But we got to talk about some of these um, side, characters. side characters because they all are done really well and um, that were cast perfectly and um, have their own, you know, great arcs you know for better or for worse in the story so uh here you talk about mariel because i want to talk about leo uh sure mariel is kind of an interesting character because for the internal optimist that um catherine is uh mariel is kind of the internal pessimist uh pessimist glasses half full she's glasses half empty um and emptying right before her eyes as a noble woman who lost her rank due to her father's mistakes oh my god which when when you find out why like yeah of all the unreasonable things peter does that one seems pretty reasonable like i'm surprised the man is not dead yeah very much so okay considering things that people that peter kills people for it seems silly exactly so um it's it's one of those um you kind of understand where she's coming from situations and you kind of cheer for her as she gets her way a little bit. And um, when she gets, when she doesn't get her way, you feel sorry for her, but near the end, you're kind of conflicted as she is conflicted as well. So she wasn't my favorite of the side characters. Um, I actually enjoyed the, the kind of the dynamic of uh, Gregor and uh, Georgina a little bit more. Um, And even Orlo. Mm-hmm. Grigor and Georgina are the uh, king's very best friends. They are married, uh, but that has not stopped or discouraged Peter from sticking to Georgina all the time. And there's this crazy dynamic going on in their relationship. Like, they clearly love each other, 
but she clearly loves having sex with Peter too. And there is, there are lines that I don't think relationships are meant to bear. I think there are some things that are too much for two people. It, it's it's almost like uh, the it, it, the writers are trying to show what like a polyamory. Uh, polyamory yeah sorry thank you um relationship could be like but those only work when all the parties are okay with that um or all the parties consent and or that there's not a power a huge power disparity between a couple and another exactly uh because in one episode peter says uh, to another uh couple of the court uh when was the last time that we fucked and she was like, oh, uh, when we were kids, oh, we should fuck again. And and the, the guy like, like laughs and like, I'll rip your fucking nuts off. And like and and like everyone kind of like uh, and then people were like, ah, oh, you're hilarious. And like, what a good jest. Like, oh, my God. Like, oh, I'm sorry for our blue language, but this thing is filthy. as Oh, ball, so. it is. Oh, yeah. Not for the kids. Absolutely like, not. I, like even teenagers no. like you like like nc17 like they might need to be like older high school college violence nudity lewd acts drugs drinking there's there's no rest for the it, wicked it is uh game of thrones with a nice sense of humor Fair enough. You know what? I also did not like Game of Thrones, and I do like this. So we're narrowing in ever closer on what exactly Elizabeth can endure in a television show. Yeah. Um, so I, there's, yeah, I, I mean, people, I hope you, I hope our dear listener uh, is good with our blue language because the, we don't hide it that often. We have Orlo, who is one of the first ally that uh, Catherine takes on. Uh, as this man who is constantly the butt of jokes at court, who wants there to be change in the government, who doesn't want to be conformed to religion, who wants just not be made fun of all the freaking time, uh, who is also uh, pretty, as far as Russian goes, wimpy. In Russia, it's very important that you show no mercy, that you're bloodthirsty savage, and that's the whole point of Catherine's entrance into this. She is not Russian, but she desperately wants to be because I think she she's wants to German. Lead. She's supposed to be German, yeah. Yeah, and she wants to lead the Russian people in the way that only a Russian person can, which is with no hesitation, with violence, with force, with brute strength and cunning. But she's not. They're the Slytherins she, of the 1850s. <laughs> but she's more of a Hufflepuff or even a, a Gryffindor. Uh, I'd say she's a Ravenclaw, to be a little honest. Uh, I can see that. Well, I'd say more Hufflepuff than Ravenclaw because. She's got more heart. She cares more for the people. Uh, but that's why, like, Gryffindor is kind of a mix between the two a little bit. She cares, but she's also a little bit more conniving a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it's I say that uh, Leo is our Gryffindor. Leo is a fun character. I, oh, I enjoy. Leo. I didn't like Leo at first. Uh, like, I'm, and I'm talking you for, like, the first. You were certain he was going to be a spy. I remember I saying I was so this. certain. So certain. And then when he wasn't, I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't want a character you like so much to be like, and you were evil the whole time. Wah-ha-ha-ha-ha. Please don't pull a Hans from Frozen on us. But they don't. They, uh, you know, this whole story, again, we haven't even gone to the story. We also have our, um, our high priest, Archie, who runs the church. And oh, is, the most despicable. I mean. Oh, it, my gosh. I mean, he's good, but he's bad. Like, he plays it so good. 
as a stick in the mud who will not concede his power that he has held on to because of tradition for all these years. I I agree with him when he says that he takes no pleasure in the things he does, that he does them for God, but the man is uh, totally... No, no, the, I don't know. I think he takes pleasure. Oh, yeah. The man is twisting himself. He 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 uh, is a sadomasochist is what he is, and he yeah. revels in that. If you're a sadomasochist, you could do a lot worse than being a priest in the 1850s because you really enjoy <laughs> torturing yourself for the love of God. So the the thing about Archie, he is so conniving, but he gets called. It's not like oh, yeah. he gets away with everything. He gets called on a lot, which actually is not seen very often in these kind of shows. Like a lot of times, like an evil character is evil, evil, evil until they get killed. And it's, you know, you're like, oh, well, they finally got their comeuppance. He kind of he kind of goes through waves where he's. Not necessarily good. I think I thought at one point he was he might kind of turn and help out um, this little ragtag revolutionary group, um, but he it, it didn't go the way I kind of thought it was going to go, mm-hmm. um, which isn't necessarily bad. But uh, he he's a really big kind of antagonistic force uh, to them, even though there's a there's a personal connection for him, but. He's he's conniving, he's manipulative, but he's never evil. Yes, which brings us to who I think truly is the antagonist of this show, Peter. Peter. Peter is our villain. Peter is our villain. He is such a non-villain villain, but he is a villain. Like I can't you a man you're who right. He revels in his evilness but also has no concept that what he's doing is evil. He's the best sort of example of evil men don't think they're evil. They think they're the heroes of their story. Yeah. They think they're doing everything right and all he wants to do is just live life the way he wants to. He wants to fuck anything that walks and he wants to eat good food and he wants to kill those who disobey him and win wars and finally be better than daddy. And that's what he wants. He's a petulant child he's uh an abuser he is a murderer he's a rake he's all the despicable things that everyone every bad idea you have about a man of history all wrapped up into one i was never and again so kind of minor spoilers probably from here again i said that before but i'm (laughs) i'm specifically with what i'm about to talk about um I'm going to be talking a little bit more on the last episode of the season. Oh, um, boy. And I'm going to try not to get into too many details, but specifically, I'm going to talk about the last episode. Um, specifically, the last episode, I was not intimidated by Peter or thought much about Peter's prowess. I always thought he was a petulant child, too. I thought he was incompetent. I thought he was a joke. Until the last episode, the last episode changed my mind because there was there's a point again, trying to be vague. uh, There's a point when Catherine, who has shown herself to be competent, to be smart, to be uh, manipulative in the right ways and conniving. And she has proven herself to be able to think of outside the box solutions or come up with very unique ideas. And like presents one of these like grand ideas. Like I'm like, I like, I fully expected the episode to end even on a cliffhanger of them not showing what his answer would be. I was like, this, this might just end on a cliffhanger. And I'm like, I'm kind of okay with it. 
But then it turns. Yeah. We weren't expecting the turn, were we? Oh, God, no. It turns and he completely turns it back on her and is scarily efficient. Well, because he just he doesn't care. He He's able to do it because he has no value for what he is threatening. It's it's so easy to do it for him. He is king and she is a woman and he will do what he wants and she will suffer for it otherwise. The whole first episode is just her trying in vain to make this relationship something that she can be happy in and she wants to be happy in it. And at every turn, he just reveals his most basic natures to her, how he doesn't care at all for what she is or who she is, just yeah, like, for he what comes, she can do. He comes in to, like, like on their wedding night to to consummate the marriage to consummate the marriage and he has his best friend gregor with her with him and they're talking the entire time and and it's like it's very just cold and uh, methodical mm-hmm. and it's like and it shows the rest of the kind of show that you're about to get into and it shows that her relationship with leo actually does have a lot of passion and and love behind it so i i and it's that that last episode showed just fuck that's a, this is a whole new ball game for her so without that, getting into spoilers i think i can touch a little bit on this idea you're trying and the thing that i like most about this show it doesn't shy away from the fact that a woman leader is just like any other leader you would think that it would be hard to make her sympathetic because usually when a man makes choices for the good of his country over personal needs it's oh what a great self-sacrifice how noble it's what he needed to do was he had to he had to be king there was no other way everyone had to die and for her you get the sense that maybe they're going to play it the way usually it works so oh the the madness went to her head there was too much power she was just a flighty female and she shouldn't have taken control and look at all the people she killed along the way to get here that means that she couldn't possibly be good for this country whereas they wouldn't make a man jump through the same hoops but they do a very good job. Uh, in fact, her uh, philosopher friend literally comes in kind of like as the out-of-box narrator to just be like, listen, honey, guys come and go, but this, this is your moment. If you're going to do something about it, now is the time. So do you want this or not? Which is just a great straight cut to the heart. And even if you don't necessarily agree with it, even if you personally wouldn't, she clearly does, and she clearly knows what she has to do. And the show doesn't make you f- make her feel bad or make you feel bad that she had to do this. I know what I need to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Very much so. I felt for her. Gosh, <laughs> I did. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. It's, it is, it's a very heartfelt and heart-wrenching moment. And again, wonderfully portrayed by Olive Hanning. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's a lot of... Um, great acting in this episode. I think they kind of, the first few episodes are kind of fish out of water, trying to get your footing kind of thing. And then the next few episodes, cause it's only 10 episodes in the first season. Then the next like four or five are diabolical planning and trying to like scheme and, you know, well, if we need to do this, then we have to do that. So if we want to go do this, we need to do that kind of thing. It further ratifies each time why they need to do this. Either they're eating eyeballs out of the defeated, decapitated Swedish generals or, uh, people are being burned alive because they have the pox like again and again and again. Like, yeah, it's like, well, we, we need a revolution 
because Badly. it's all yeah <laughs> and um it, there's so many great moments in this that it's like it's shot the cinematography for this entire show is well done there is a consistent theme for it so i don't know if like the the show creator uh tony mac uh mac mcnamara 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 thank you uh what I think I had a mini stroke. Um, McNamara. I don't know if he had a consistent view for it. Um, if it was uh, directed by different people for each episode, which is typically how it's done for TV shows, or if uh, they had one cinematographer, I I'm not sure. But the 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 feel of the show was consistent. It kind of reminded me of like Sherlock. The feel for Sherlock was consistent episode through episode, even though it might have had different directors. You can tell that with some TV shows, with, with many of them, when a different director for that episode comes in, they have to depend so completely on the work that's been done before them, which usually means the actors, the set design, the costume design, the cinematography, the people who've already done it once before, and then a new person come in, comes in and says, okay... Uh, so what would your character do in this situation? And I'll direct you from there. What, uh, here are the three types of clothing that Elle might be wearing. Which one would you pick? I actually read a cool article from the clothing designer talking about uh, all the uncomfortable shoes and corsets they had to get everyone into to make it 1850s appropriate. How everyone would just wear Wellington boots for all the dress rehearsals until it was time to shoot it, and then they'd put on their uncomfortable shoes. Uh, and how <laughs> Catherine's dress changes from these bright, pastel-y, hopeful colors into the rich dark jewel tones of the russian court Ooh. until you finally culminate in that bright pink dress at the end that neon pink getup. uh talk about clothing uh nicholas as like this punk rock sort of style with animal prints yeah. and jacquard and very um old kind of old brit rock um yes. like uh the clash not not even the clash um the very famous band who is still touring to this day, and they are so old and so riddled with drugs. Oh, that one. Yeah, the one with Mick Jagger in it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, the one with the lips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the, the, their, their symbol is the, Oh, I'm sorry. The, the, tongue, the Rolling the Stones. Rolling, thank you. I Rolling you meant Stones. Mick Jagger had lips, and he does. Oh, well, yes, he but does. But that's Steve Tyler, because he has lips. Even still, that kind of that aesthetic. I, I completely see that aesthetic, yeah, with him. It's like uncaring do, does what he wants kind of thing mm -hmm. so in the the way they interweave the stories because it's not all told entirely from Catherine's perspective yeah there are parts of each episode where it's from the archie the priest perspective or from georgiana's perspective uh so we get peter's the, perspective yes we get um, all these different yeah. viewpoints so it's it's clearly again kind of uh, Game of Thrones-esque. Yeah, I can see that. More of an ensemble cast sort of vibe. It, it is definitely, I, I would say it's Peter and Catherine are the main two stars. But these like these like 10 actors and actresses that are right beneath them, not, not necessarily steal the show, but very much help build this very strong foundation. And even still, like you have some amazing actors like the hand, um, hand servant. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was really what good. What a cutie. Um the the guy with the the boils on his face. He w did a really good job. You know, there's so many great performances in this and I really have to pull out Gregor. Be not simply because he did a great job because he almost is understated at first. I don't know. He is understated at first. Until about episode 4 or 5, 
And then he is a very delicious story. Like I really, really wanted them that story to go into the direction that it was like flowing and it like had a hard stop. I'm like, why let it keep going? Well, guys, have something for season two, I suppose. Uh, maybe um, my fingers are crossed, but specifically because uh, the actor who plays him is uh, Willem Lee. I could pronounce Willem, <laughs> but not McNamara. <laughs> I'm weird. Uh, Willem Lee, uh, who in the show he uh, he does, again he does a great job, and his dynamic with Nicholas Hout is interesting because he knows he's his best friend it's i love all- him he is my emperor i would die for him but also i cannot stand the fact that he is fucking fucking my wife <laughs> yeah it's it's a very like i love him but i also hate the living shit out of him it's almost like i love him because he gives me things but if i didn't need him i would slit his throat the idea of the absolute monarchy that you are, your kings are gods. You must love them above everything, no matter what they do to you. Just that idea is so antithetical to the way of life now. But just a few short hundred years ago, that's how it all worked. But this actor, um, he doesn't really look that familiar at first. But that's because if you threw on this like maybe crazy big, almost Bob Ross esque wig and maybe put a guitar in his hands. Put him next to a Freddie Mercury looking guy. He is he is Brian May in Bohemian Rhapsody. And we talked at length about how great this actor is in Bohemian Rhapsody. And he is. I, I, I'm still in awe and how perfect Willem Lee is as Brian May. He is absolutely like almost photorealistic. Like he looks like a young Brian May. That was Pitch perfect casting, and he did a great job as him too. So, sorry, I I know, I know. You I'm love your back. your asides, your mini rabbit holes that you journey down. Yes, I I. That's why I keep you around. <laughs> I I wish there wasn't already like sixteen other podcasts called the Rabbit Hole. I know that was our original idea for the title for this one. I know you wanted it super bad. I, no, our original one was called like Take Two because we had two. I people. remember that, and then everyone had Take yeah. Two. Sorry about that, everybody. Yeah, we were looking at maybe doing a podcast with a friend called Down the Rabbit Hole, but someone else already had it. Um, all right, so we're getting near to the end of this episode. I do have one final question to posit as we wrap up today. Obviously, we both think that you should watch The Great. Uh, it Completely, is, yep. It is romantic. It is terrifying. It is politically intriguing. It is balls the wall drunk stupid humor at some points uh (laughs) it has so much going for it we couldn't be happier that there's a season two but the one thing that struck me throughout all of this was that the only thing i knew about catherine the great before this show was the rumor that she fucked a horse <laughs> and if that is not an indictment on the American education system, I don't know what is because they even address it in the show. How is it this female who came from out of the country rose to power within this brand new country, assumed dominance, became the leader, one of the most influential and important leaders of Russian history, and the only thing we remember is the rumor that was made up about her. Well, we don't know how fake it was. I'm not saying that it was true. Say it was true. 
How does that have anything to do with what she actually contributed to history? You're completely right. But the there are some factual uh, discrepancies in the show. Um, Peter the Great in the show is Peter, uh, the character played by Nicholas Hout, uh, is his father. In reality, that was his grandfather. So, I mean, that's a pretty big discrepancy in the show. It already says it in things like a mostly true or mostly inaccurate telling of Catherine the Great. So I have no idea where the <laughs> the rumor came from. Uh, so I, I forgot. I completely forgot about that point. So is this the point? So that my 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 point that I posit is this: Is this the point where Catherine the Great has a Hamilton style? revisement of history from the ashes they arise and their story is told and suddenly it's not just the guy who lost in a shootout with Aaron Burr but uh the man who was part of the founding of America and changed the money system and how government is run is that what we're going to see for Catherine the Great beyond just a rumor about what kind of animal she enjoyed fucking to an actual woman of power and prescience well I would like to see that I mean I would like to see uh history you know looked over with more of a fine tooth comb than it is because not history is written by the victors and you know not to look bad about our presidents but our presidents were kind of assholes i mean like i read this whole thing about uh like hey here's some things that the presidents each president did right but they were also assholes because of this mm-hmm. so um and each one each one including recent presidents did something wrong and and it's hard because we always want to look back on it with you know uh nostalgia goggles or even you know um rose colored glasses so but i want to leave you and i'm i'm actually i'm giving myself a point to wrap up on a thing that i read recently i have no idea how true this is but i think the more i think about it the more true it feels to me uh and i think this will kind of help with your thought process with this most quotes that are attributed to anonymous are most likely uh, said by women. There is no truer sentiment in my heart as you say that. It feels so very, very real. There are so many times I've, I've had this exact conversation with people saying, well, yeah, I mean, there's a reason that we don't talk about female painters or writers because women just weren't like doing art until really recently. and I. And I laugh and I laugh and I laugh and I say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The fact that most artists today are women is indicative of the creative nature of the female process at some points. And that the fact that you don't know about them is not indicative of whether they existed or not. It's the fact that history does not remember them. That does not mean they were not there. That does not mean they were not influential and integral. I read a, uh, I read a Tumblr post about it. It was like a girl took her art history teacher to the cleaners uh, talking about how they said that there were no female artists during the Renaissance era. And she gave her like this, sorry, she gave them this huge list of names. And the reason that she knew all of them is because she wanted a female Ninja Turtle because she was such a Ninja Turtles as a kid. Uh, and uh, and Venus was not a good name, and it's, I completely no, agree. It absolutely is not, and non-artist from that time period either. Yep. So irrelevant to the conversation. Irrelevant. Every time I hear irre- irrelevant, I like I had to take a second because I didn't realize until I was 
at least 20 that irregardless was not a word. And it's so when I hear irrelevant, I'm like, that's not, oh wait, that's not the right word. That's the wrong, wrong word. That's the wrong, wrong word. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it uh, as we uh, make it through this uh, time and recovery and everything for us. And uh, we're going to be coming up on our 100th episode. It's coming down the pike, coming down the barrel. It's marked in the calendar. Good Lord. It's um, coming up. But until next time, he has been Aaron. She's been Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.